We turn to number 431 as we prepare to hear God's Word this morning. We talked this past week at Backyard Bible Study about the Catholicity of the church being reflected in the hymns that we sing. This is certainly one of those hymns, uh, this text and, and, uh, and tune being sung by the church for hundreds of years. We're going to sing together 431, just the verses 1 and 2, and then verse 10. Verses 1 and 2 and 10 of 431. Let's stand together as we sing. wonderful to have a church that uh, takes care of you so well. I always have a glass of water up here so I can uh, cleanse my throat if I'm a little thirsty. Uh, this morning, uh, I also have a snack. It's a little cupcake with a candle that says, Happy Birthday. So, <laughs> so I'll save that for later if the sermon gets too long. We'll see. <laughs> Let's turn this morning in God's Word to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, and we'll be reading just the first 20 verses 
of this prophecy together. Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's word. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness when Israel sought for rest. The Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again, I shall adorn yourself with, you shall adorn yourself with tambourines and shall go forth in the dance of merrymakers. Again, you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit. And there shall be a day when the watchman will call in the hill country of Ephraim, Arise, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. For thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country, and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. Among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who is in labor together. A great company they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas for mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion. And they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden, and they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children shall come back to their own country. I have heard Ephraim grieving. You have disciplined me, and I was disciplined like an untrained calf. Bring me back that I may be restored, for you are the Lord my God. And after I had turned away, I relented. 
And after I was instructed, I struck my thigh. I was ashamed and I was confounded because I bore the disgrace of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. If you'd also turn in the back of your Psalters to page 59 in the back section. Page 59, this is Lord's Day 46. And this morning we'll read together questions 120 and 121. I will read the question. You can respond together with the answer. Question 120, why did Christ command us to call God our Father? At the very beginning of our prayer, Christ wants to kindle in us what is basic to our prayer, a childlike awe and trust that God through Christ has become our Father. Our fathers do not refuse us the things of this life. God, our Father, will even less refuse to give us what we ask in faith. Question 121, why the words, who art in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty as something earthly and to expect everything for body and soul from his almighty power. Well, this morning we enter into our study of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Christ himself taught his disciples when they said to him, Lord, teach us how we should pray. And he said, pray like this. And Jesus gave them a beautiful model of how we are to pray to God, a model that begins with those words, our Father. Jesus could have taught his disciples, when you pray to God, say, great creator. He could have said, when you pray, say, gracious redeemer. He could have said, say, exalted king. But Jesus says, when you pray, say, our Father. Father, a term that speaks of an intimate relationship. Father, a term that speaks of the connection between God and his people. And what a blessing to be able to call God our Father. What a blessing to be called a child of God. Israel in the Old Testament was referred to as God's child as his firstborn. And we, the new Israel, the church, are also that firstborn of God. This morning we're going to talk about what a blessing that is. What a blessing to know God as our Father. What a blessing to be firstborn of the Father. Our text says in verse 2, Thus says the Lord, The people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness when Israel was sought for rest. The Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. This, this relationship is initiated by God himself. And it's, an, it's a relationship of love and of faithfulness. 
There was a movement in theology some years ago that talked about the universal fatherhood of God. Simply by the fact that God is creator, we are now sons and daughters of his. And while there's a, a, a part of truth there, it's more than simply being created by God that makes us his children. Having God as our father speaks of that intimate relationship, being known by him, being loved by him, being the recipient of his faithfulness. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. The love of God. Part of the essence of his fatherhood. And he is a God who has chosen to love us. Not because we were so lovable. He comes to us. I have loved you. He initiates the contact. We are, we are children of God because of what He has done. Because of His love. Because of His care and His faithfulness to His children. Oh, it would be the case that Israel would be taken away captive. Verse 4, yet we hear this. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again, I shall adorn your, you shall adorn yourself with tambourines. You shall go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. Yes, they would be taken away in captivity, but God would restore them. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I will be faithful to you. Even when they were unfaithful, he would bring his people back. And they would rejoice in knowing who he was. This wonderful blessing of having God as Father, a God who comes to us, is reflected then when we pray, Our Father. Why does Christ command us to call God our Father? At the very beginning of our prayer, Christ wants to kindle in us what is basic to our prayer, the childlike awe and trust that God, through Christ, has become our Father. A childlike awe and trust that God, through Jesus Christ, has become our Father. He has chosen a people for His very own. He has redeemed that people through the blood of Christ. We are brought into a relationship with this God. He's not a, a God who's far off, a God who is simply creator or king or all of those things. He's our Father, a Father who loves us, a Father who cares for us. Verse 5, again you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria, and planters shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit. For there shall be a day when watchmen will call in the hill country of Ephraim, Arise, let us go to Zion, to the Lord our God. Arise, let us go to Zion, to the place where God dwells. Let us go and worship Him. For we are in a relationship with this great God who is our Father. Worship is the proper, fitting response of the children of God. A God who loves us and a God who once again, this morning, calls us to come into His very presence. We get to spend time with our Father. Kids, I know some of you have fathers that work a lot and they're gone a lot. And isn't it wonderful when you can just spend time with your father, being with him? doesn't even matter what you do, but you're with your father. In a very real way, that's what happens when we come into worship. 
We say, arise, let us go to Zion, let us go to the church of our Lord and our God. And God welcomes us to spend time with him, welcomes us to come into the presence. Oh, the blessing of being a child of God, the blessing of being one of his sons and daughters. God calls his children, and he calls them, read read verse 7, thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim and give praise and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Save the remnant of Israel. Reminding us that simply being a part of physical Israel was not enough. God had that remnant. He had his chosen. Not all of Israel are Israel. Not everyone created is a son or daughter of God. Only those who by faith are brought in through Jesus Christ. There's a special relationship and they are taken from the world and brought in. What I find so striking is who are those who are brought in? Verse 8, Behold, I will bring them from the north country. That speaks of those who were taken away in captivity. I will bring that remnant back. But not only that remnant... Go on in verse 8, and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. Not just those in captivity, but God's people spread out across the earth. And the prophet here already anticipating what God would do in the New Testament, in the gospel, going out to the Gentiles, to the four corners of the earth. God would bring his own to him. The blessing of belonging, not limited to a particular group in a particular place, even those off in captivity, even those spread over the earth, God would bring into that loving relationship. And who are those he brings in? Among them, the blind, the lame, the pregnant woman, she who is in labor, a great company, they shall return. God is bringing his people back, back to Zion. All of his chosen ones, even the blind and the lame and the pregnant and those in labor, those who would most likely be left behind. If a people are coming back to God, we leave behind those who can't travel as well, the blind and the lame and certainly one who is in labor. But those who would be normally left behind, God brings in. The most unlikely he brings to his own. Not just the kings and the princes and all of those who are great and glorious. But God takes the unexpected and he brings them into a relationship with him, a father and child relationship. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I visit with someone who is an unbeliever, and uh, hear about their life and, and, and the way they are living. And I find myself thinking, you know, if God was going to save this person, it would take a miracle. And then I remind myself, for God to save me, it took a miracle one who was lost, one who had no claim on God. For him to save me, it took a miracle. 
It took the sending of His own Son, Jesus Christ. That's what it took for my salvation to be secured. And yet that same miracle continues to go on day after day as the Word of God continues to go forth. It goes forth again this morning and God calls out to you if you have not embraced Jesus Christ, if you do not know Him as Father. And today, if you confess your sins, that same miracle happens as He brings you in. Put your faith in Him. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. And know for sure the blessing of belonging to the Father, being made His children. Verse 9. With weeping shall they come, and with pleas for mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. I am their father. I will care for them. I will bring them to me. And God says the same to us. For all who have been brought in, we confess He is our Father, and we receive all the blessings of knowing that He will care for us, His children. That's what our, our confession points out. Why the words, who art in heaven, not to think of God's heavenly majesty as something earthly, but to expect everything for body and soul from His almighty power. He will care for His children. And now in the rest of this section of our text, Jeremiah speaks about those blessings of being a child of God. Verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations. Declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. God keeps us like a shepherd. Well, you can imagine that, children. A shepherd caring for sheep. Sheep who are perhaps out grazing and the shepherd caring for them keeping them from getting too close to the cliffs, keeping them on a safe path, using his rod and his staff to direct them, providing them with, with green pastures, providing them with water to drink. God caring for his sheep like a shepherd. That's what God does for us. He guides, he directs with his rod and his staff. He provides for us. The shepherd, the shepherd living with his sheep and that's what God did in His Son, Jesus Christ. He came down to live and to dwell with the sheep to redeem them. Well, we don't think of God's majesty as something earthly, but heavenly. He will provide for all of our needs. We talked about that last week. What should we pray for? Everything we need physically and spiritually. As, as earthly fathers, we know there are things we simply can't provide for our children, but our God never has that problem. Our God is always able to provide for all of our needs, and He knows what is best for us and when it is best for us. We have a Father who knows everything, a Father who loves us and is faithful, and certainly a Father who will provide for all of our needs in the best way and at the best time. Going on. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob, he has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. We have been ransomed. We have been redeemed. That, speak, that speaks of a payment being made. There was a price to pay that we could become children of God. 
And that price was nothing less than the blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. His blood shed for us. That we might be redeemed, that we might be ransomed, that the debt might be paid for us to become children of God. That's the cost. Not silver, not gold, not anything in this life. But the cost was the blood of the Son of God himself. Again, this last week at um, Backyard Bible Study, we sang one of the uh, new hymns, new to us, from the uh, Trinity Psalter hymnal called Stricken, Smitten, and Afflicted, a song which speaks about the suffering and death of Christ. And I, I, I highlighted this text then. I'm going to do it again now. This is what the song says. Ye who think of sin but lightly, nor suppose the evil great, here may view, looking at Christ, here may view its nature rightly. Here its guilt may estimate. Mark the sacrifice appointed. See who bears the awful load. Tis the Word, the Lord's anointed, Son of Man and Son of God. If we think our sin is insignificant, it took the Son of God to cleanse us from that sin. If we think of sin but lightly, look to the cross and what it took for us to be washed and cleansed from all of that sin, ransomed and redeemed. I, uh, Jeremiah says, And they shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion. They shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain and the wine and the oil, over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden, and they shall languish no more. God's goodness providing all of their needs. All of their needs physically, the grain, the wine, the oil, the young of the flock and the herd, their life like a watered garden, they will languish no more. We have a Father who pours out His blessings on us. Every day when we wake up and there is food on the table and there is a roof over our heads, we must give God our thanks. Our Father has provided for us once again. We talked about again last time, what do we pray for? All things physical, all things spiritual. He has provided everything we need spiritually as well. That greatest gift, the gift of salvation. He is our God who comforts us. Verse 13. Then shall the young women rejoice and dance, the young men and the olds we marry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will comfort them. A father who comforts us. Who knows when we are sad. Who knows when we are hurting? Who knows when we don't even know how to pray to Him? Children, again, when, when, you're, when you're sad, when you're afraid, when you're lonely, there is a wonderful blessing of simply being able to go to your Father and, 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 and crawling up in His lap and having his, Him put His arms around you. And as a child, you can say, I'm safe. I'm safe in the arms of my Father. That's what our God does for us. He comforts us in times of sorrow. He comforts us when we, when we don't know which way to turn. It's like being held in the arms of the Father in times of sorrow, in times of mourning, in times of hardship. He will take us through. He will be there alongside of us. The blessing of being a child of God. A blessing for us. A blessing God gives to our children as well. Look at verse 15. 
Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For there is a reward for your work. They will come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children shall come back to their own country. God's blessings are not only for us as adults, they are given to our children as well. That is signified and sealed in their baptism. And what a blessing for us as parents to know that our children belong to God. We as parents do all we can to raise them in the fear of the Lord, but we know we fail, we know we fall short, and yet we know they have a Father in heaven who loves them and watches over them. And even when our children begin to go in sinful, willful ways, and we try to call them back, we know that their Father in heaven calls them back. I will bring them back, and they will come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for the future. There is hope for us as parents when we see our, our children going in ways that are, that are contrary to God's ways. God says, they belong to me. I will bring them back. The blessing of being a child of God. Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, finishes this section, the last blessing, he says, verse 18. I have heard Ephraim grieving. You have disciplined me, and I was disciplined, like an untrained calf. Bring me back that I may be restored, for you are the Lord my God. For after I turned away, I relented. After I was instructed, I struck my thigh. I was ashamed. I was confounded because I bore the disgrace of my youth. Jeremiah reminds us our Father loves us so much that He will discipline us. That's what a loving Father does. When he sees his children living in ways that are disobedient, he goes to them and he disciplines them, disciplines them in love. And his discipline is always perfect. Again, as human fathers, we don't always know what to do. We don't know how far to go, how hard to push, but God is always right. And he loves us, beloved children, so much. He will discipline us to bring us back to Him. Perhaps today, you find yourself under that disciplining hand of God. Do not reject the discipline of your Father. When you sense that God's, God's discipline is coming upon you, then relent, turn away, go back to Him. The prophet says, bring me back that I may be restored, for you are Lord my God. I was ashamed, I was confounded, I bore the disgrace of my youth. And then he goes on, is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore my heart yearns for him, I will surely have mercy on him. Our God and Father disciplines us to bring us back to him to restore us to that wonderful fellowship. Oh, the blessing of being a child of God, the blessing of knowing our Father in heaven. We recognize that at the beginning of our prayers. Not to think of his fatherhood as something earthly, but something heavenly. And that we, through Jesus Christ, have been brought in. Is this your prayer? 
As you pray to God, do you recognize him as your father? Not simply a creation of him, but he has come to you in love. He has embraced you in his son, Jesus Christ. And he has showered his blessings upon you. Oh, for those who know this glorious truth, we can leave with joy. We not only have a God who watches over us, we have a God who is our Father who watches over us. I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I will continue to be faithful. What a blessing to be a child of that Father. Let's join together in prayer. God, great Father, we thank you and praise you for all that you have done for us in your Son, Jesus Christ. We know that we have no right in ourselves to call you Father, but you have secured that right in your Son, and you have called us your children because of him. Lord God, help us as children to walk in your ways. Help us to walk in the path of blessing, all the blessings you have given to us. May we leave here rejoicing, knowing who you are, knowing who we are in Jesus Christ, and knowing you will continue to watch over and bless us, for you have loved us with an everlasting love, and you are a faithful God. Hear our prayer and accept our praise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.